When buying or selling your home, call Leo Bato. He has years of experience in real estate, showing honesty and integrity in every transaction. He's a person you can definitely trust. So book your appointment with Leo Bato today by giving him a call at 818-648-4837 or by visiting him on the web at www.leobato.realtor. This episode is brought to you by ABBA eServices. And the podcast will begin in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Ladies and gentlemen, finally live at Pacos Place, my good friend. Oh my God, what a legend. <laughs> Just uh, starstruck. Bill Romanowski, yes. How we doing? Pretty good. Thanks for being here. You got it. Oh my God. Like, um, when I say thank you, it, it carries a big weight because... This is like the podcast leveling up. So, you know the feeling of validating every journey, every story of every guest that came here that are virtually unknown. Then we have a legend in you who took the time to be here. It's, it's something else. So, I really am very grateful. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm excited to be on. So now, Super Bowl, <clears throat> four times, four times Super Bowl champion. Yes, very lucky. A lot of great teammates. But let's let's talk about luck because right now you 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 do motivate a lot of kids. But yeah. luck has a different definition, right? I think that when I say luck, I say I was drafted by the 49ers. But you know, back in 1988 when I was coming out of Boston College, there were other teams ready to take me. Mm. And I call that luck, and all of a sudden, I get drafted by the San Francisco 49ers. You don't get well, to pick, right? You don't get to pick. And this is one of the you know, best organizations yeah. in the NFL you know, at the time, you know, they're, um, they've been down a little bit. You know, they went to the Super Bowl a few years ago, but, you know, they've been down. But for the 80s, and halfway through the 90s, the 49ers were the organization to play for. And I was fortunate enough to play six years for them. Ooh. And, uh, you know, Eddie DeBartolo was our owner. First class, the way he does things. And what I learned, Paco, was I learned how to win and what that is all about and what it takes and other organizations didn't know what that was about. I, I um, was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. After the 49ers? After the 49ers. Okay, let's, 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 let's not go there. For, I want Because yeah. I'm, I'm, when you said you knew how to win. Well, they, the, <clears throat> the first words that I heard out of my head coach, Bill Walsh, the first words out of his mouth were, men, we have one goal and one goal only, and that's to win a world's championship. Did you win the first year you were there? Yes. First and Super Bowl you were yeah. there? Yeah. <sighs> and then he retired, George Seifert took over, and we won the Super Bowl again the next year. So I won back-to-back -back Super Bowls. So rookie year, yeah. sophomore year. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Prior to being drafted. Yes. Did you have the mindset of a winner? Um, 
you know, I had the work ethic, um, you know, playing at Boston College, um, my, you know, my freshman year, Doug Flutie was our quarterback. You know, Doug Flutie was a winner. When he was on the field, you felt like we, I felt like we were going to win every football Some game. Some osmosis. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> we, we lost two games that year. Right. But, you know, we went to the Cotton Bowl that year. And, you know, and when I looked around at the seniors that were going to have a chance to play in the NFL, you know, I looked at them and I was like, because that was my goal. I wanted to play in the NFL. So you were profiling other people to see Absolutely. how you how you stack yeah. up. Yeah, and I was. I looked at Doug Flutie. I looked at Gerard Phelan. I looked at Mike Ruth. I looked at Scott Gieselman hmm. and guys that were going to have a chance to Same play batch. in the NFL. And they had common things about them. They were good students. Okay. They got good grades. They were good guys. They worked really hard. Um, I hope people are listening you because know, this is very those, important. Those, those, those kind of things. They were in the weight room. They, they did the extra things that it took to be really good. And I saw that and I just tried to copy that. You know, um, I'll say this. When I got to Boston College, I immediately felt different than the other freshmen. Explain. And because I wanted to play. And there was no part of me that wanted to red shirt. I was not a partier. My mind, my focus was around playing. And I'll tell a little story of what happened. Yes. So a week before our first game and uh, we're playing Western Carolina and week before this game, they had a dress rehearsal and how it worked is all the guys that were going to red shirt and not travel were put in a yellow Jersey. All the guys that were going to travel and there were two freshmen at the time, Eric Lindstrom and Bill Thompson. And they were in maroon and gold along with the sophomores, juniors, and seniors. And they were on the other sideline. I was in a yellow jersey. Ooh. And I walked out on the field, and I couldn't control it. I started to bawl my eyes out. And as I'm crying, you know, I'm walking up the sideline, and I had to get away because all the other f freshman guys that I came in they with, were okay with that. Were joking around, yeah. having fun, talking about the party, right. you know, that the next night. And, you know, and I knew that I wanted to be on the other sideline. And I looked across and I said, I don't know how long it's going to take a week, two weeks, a month, Ooh. a year but I'm going to be on that other sideline. And I was, you know, an aggressive, uh, enthusiastic player, 
even back in my college days. But I tell you what, that week all hell broke loose. And I let everyone know that I was in a yellow jersey and I wanted to be in a maroon and gold jersey. And... And you had to show it to them, right? Oh, yeah. You had I, to perform. I got in fights with our <laughs> offensive linemen. I sacked Doug Flutie. I intercepted balls. I was like, I wanted to play. And so, um, fast forward, here we are, first game. It's a home game, so everyone got to dress. Yes. And here I am on the sideline, and, you know, I'm kind of, going up and down the sideline because I'm like, I want to go in and play. So, but, but at this time, you were still pretty much yellow, right? I was yellow. I was okay. being red-shirted. <laughs> it was already set. It was already, you know, pretty much said to me because I had the yellow jersey on the week before, I was going to be red-shirted. All right. And I'm going up and down the sideline like, I, I want to play. I want to be out there. But I'm being, I was in the yellow jersey. A linebacker gets hurt then. in the first quarter, and Ooh. I and I like I like kind of walk out on the field a little bit, just on the edge, and you know Jack McNell, our head coach, is like, what? "Romo, what is wrong with you? Get the heck off the field!" You know, like you were just <coughs> ready. I was ready, and. Uh, you know, second quarter hits. Another linebacker gets hurt. So what do I do? I start inching out on the field. And Bicknell's looking at me like, you crazy SOB, get back. And then, uh, you know, we go in at halftime. And we come out for the second half. And, you know, they're yelling around. Okay, but during halftime. During halftime. Did, they, did your coach tell you, what were you doing a while ago? No, no. no. Okay. None of that. I was ignored. Oh, wow. You know? But we get out there for this, getting ready for the yeah. second half. Yes. And we're have kickoff. And all of a sudden, they're yelling for a player, but he got hurt. Another linebacker? Yeah, it was a linebacker. And I inch out on the field again. And, you, you know, and chances are I'm going to get another get the heck off. But my head coach looked at me and then looked away and then looked back at me and gave me one of these. Freshman Fresh, Romo. Yeah. And, you know, he, he said, come here. And he, and he said, Romo, do you want to play? And I said, are you kidding me? You're damn right I want to play. And he said, you're in on kickoff. So I went, I went out there, and I was like five, ten yards ahead of everyone running down on kickoff. And I ran through one guy, and all of a sudden it was me and the guy with the ball. And I just launched towards him. He makes a move. I land on my head. Oh. And uh, – Ooh. All of a sudden, I get back to the sideline, and my head coach is like, now, Romo, I have to say I've never seen anybody run so hard, so fast, so determined, down. you know, down on kickoff. He said, just hit the damn guy with the ball. <laughs> and uh, But at that point, it occurred to me, I had attained – 
yeah. my first goal. Yes. And that was to play yes. as a freshman. Because other freshmen were timid there, right? I what's mean, that? Some freshmen could be, some of them could be timid. Like, yeah. you know what, if the coach sees yeah. me, fine. If they don't, I'll sit on the bench. But no, yeah. you were like. So here I am now. I want to start. Forget about playing special teams. I wanted to start. Still as, freshman year? As a linebacker. Yeah, that was what the? that was my next goal. And every time, Paco, I took the field, I was a starter. Wow. In my head. Yes. I was starting for Boston College. And I wasn't a starter, but in my mind I was. Every time I took the practice field, I was a starter. You know, every time we you know the next game was Alabama, I was a starter. But no, I wasn't. I just played special teams. And but in my mind, I was a starter. You know what? When it's in your mind, right? I mean, it shows in the way you walk. The swag starts to every happen. everything I did was revolved door, yes. around being a starter. Yes. For Boston College, my freshman year. And we get to, I want to say it was the fourth or fifth game, and we're playing Army. And it's uh, Saturday morning. Right. We, we stay at the hotel, and it was a home game. And 7 o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning, I get a knock at the door. And I go and I open the door, and it's my coach. And... He said, Romo, you're starting today. And, you know, I shut the door and I, literally I start bawling my eyes out. And um, for some reason, Paco, everything was happening that I set my mind to. Everything. And um, I... Uh, I went out, I had 20 tackles, three tackles for a loss, and I, I was now the starting linebacker for Boston College. And I was now ready to set my next goal, and I wanted to play, I wanted to play in the National Football League. So everything I did, every single day, every single year, you know, on and off the field, revolved around making it to the nfl if it did not have anything to do with making nationals i didn't do it and you know i go to parties and i was the kid that always walked around with a beer in his hand that maybe had about two ounces <laughs> gone from it and i had that beer the whole night and i would you know i would have fun you know, hanging out with the guys. But at some point when everyone was drunk and I was sober, hey. I find myself kind of slipping out, going back to my room, throwing the football in the air, laying down on my bed, dreaming about making it to the NFL. This dream of making it to the NFL, how old were you when this dream started? Started at 18 when I was a freshman at Boston College. And I had the goal of playing as a freshman, a goal of starting as a freshman. 
And then after I attained that, I was like, this is what I want to do. For the rest of your life. Yeah. And, you know, and everything I did, I, it's not like there was anyone like telling me this is how you do it. I just tried to work harder than everybody, everybody else. But this work ethic how did you develop this? What was, who was Bill Romanowski growing up? You know what? Um, you know, I was a kid that on some level was floundering a little bit. I was a good athlete, good to great athlete, um, but not really a lot of direction. It's not like my mom and dad <clears throat> had a recipe of son, this is what you need to do. You need to be in the weight room. You need to eat this way. They didn't know. Were they strict? No, they weren't strict. Were they supportive? You know, I had, you know, two brothers and two uh -huh. sisters, but I had two older brothers that were hellions and they played football. They were my heroes and I wanted to play football, but I also played basketball and baseball. Right. <laughs> but it soon occurred to me you know, I want, you know, there were many nights around the kitchen table where I heard the challenges of how they were going to make ends meet, oh. you know, and here I am as a little boy, how do you, what do you do when you're, when you hear those struggles in their voice of how are we going to pay for, you know, uh, you know, Susie's college or or Joe's college you know how are we gonna we're gonna take out a second mortgage what are we gonna do and when you hear those struggles you know as a little boy I I was I got you know there's part of me that was kind of scared but I wanted to take that away I wanted that to that fear to go away from right, my parents right and I decided as a freshman that I wanted to pay for my own college. So I was either going to do it by going into the service like my dad did. Yeah. And he got his college paid for that way, or I would get a scholarship. But here I was a freshman and I didn't do anything about it because I didn't know, but I was like, I want to do this. When you say you my, didn't know, you didn't know how? Didn't know how. Okay. It's not. And then <clears throat> my sophomore year came and there was an article at, in Sports Illustrated on Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker. I didn't get Sports Illustrated, but I had a good friend who did, John Steed. And um, I remember reading this article. And it talked about him doing push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups and sprints and eating good food and vegetables and all this. And it's like, wait a minute, I have a game plan. Like that night, I started doing push-ups. What Herschel was doing. Yeah, I, <laughs> I start, if he can, I mean, this is his game plan. This is what he does. This is the first time I ever had anybody say, this is how you do it. And I started doing that every single night. 
And I remember the first night, I think I was able to do 11 push-ups total. <laughs> wow. That was it. You know, and from 11, it turned into 20, it turned into 30, it turned into 40, and hundreds. This episode is brought to you by Leo Bato and Associates. Ang realtor na pato. So your consistency was the key, you know? You know, and then... I used to hang from my garage, you know, from the rafters yeah. in my garage and yes. do pull-ups. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't do a pull-up when I first started. And I'd, I'd sit there and I'd, you know, and eventually I'd get one, you know, and one turned into two and three, four. And eventually I was doing 15 to 20 pull-ups, wow. you know, and sit-ups every day. And Sophomore this year. was every single day. That's what I did. No matter where I was, I could be, you know, with buddies down at the shore. And I was doing my sit-ups, my pull-ups, my push-ups. You know, I was in the mountains skiing with a buddy. I was doing, I was eating good food. <clears throat> uh, hey, parties in high school yeah all my buddies drank all my buddies did stuff they shouldn't be doing and what did i do i walked around with a beer with about two two ounces (laughs) you know the same thing i did at boston college for four years and because there was this little voice in the back of my head that talked to me and it would say is this gonna get you where you want to go and usually if I was doing something I shouldn't be doing and the answer was, yeah, I shouldn't be doing this, that I walked away from it. And I got to the point my junior year of high school Ooh. and we had a senior who was being recruited by a bunch of bigger schools, uh, Tom Kelleher. And I remember my head coach brought me into his office and he said Romo you know the the head coach from Holy Cross was just here and he said you know we like this Tom Kelleher kid Kelleher and uh but I really like this Romanowski kid and uh but I looked at his transcript and his grades aren't where they need to be and your and coach was generous enough to let you know about it. He let this. me know. And I was like, instantly, I was like, okay. I was doing everything right to get my body right to be able to play at the next level. But I wasn't doing one of the most important things, and that was taking care of my grades. So instantly, I spent an extra hour hour and a half a night on my homework and i went from getting you know c's and a couple b's to getting straight a's there's this adjective that you said adverb instantly instantly because other people are so indecisive but are you the type of person i changed it immediately right are you that I I, i just started focusing on my home hey i was are you that type of person you know if something needs to be fixed boom you know i'm i'm pretty decisive that way um so you know that happened before you know it 
you know, from that point on, I was a straight A student pretty much all through high school. Every once in a while, I get a yeah, I would get a B, but for the most part, I was an A student. And uh, did, and this was purposefully done, right? Like, yeah. Here we are, my senior year, and well, I get through my senior year of football, and I'm being recruited by everybody. And what did uh, your parents say? What did your mom and dad say? Well. You know, this was new territory for them. You know, it's exciting. Um, you know, here I took a visit to uh, my first visit was to the University of Miami. Okay. And they were on, you know, they were at a very high level. Their program, they were winning national championships. You know, they were really a big time college football program back then. So when I got there, you know, my the guys that were my host, you know, they, they were smoking pot and oh. drinking and, and doing things that I was like, wait a minute, this is not for me. And they would say, hey, here's how we do it here. You know, we start with five classes, you know, we drop two, and then we just make them up in summer school. You know, or we make them up on winter break, you know, and then second quarter, second half, you know, second quarter, you know, we do the same thing. Start with five classes. We drop, drop two. two. We have three and we make them up in summer school. And that mindset just didn't resonate with me. My next trip was to Notre Dame. Wow. I was blown away. I was going to Notre Dame. But... When I got back and I told my parents, I'm going to Notre Dame. This was the most incredible. You know, the tradition um, was unreal. I'd never been around anything even remotely close to this in my life. And, you know, I could sense that my parents or were, were, didn't work crazy. <laughs> weren't crazy about what I was saying. And I kind of did, I was trying to grasp like, why aren't they excited for me? You know? And it occurred to me that they probably weren't going to be able to see me play. Because, Ooh. you know, but maybe, maybe once or twice a year, they would, they, you know, it's not like my parents would get on airplanes and travel. They didn't have the money for that. So if they wow. want, you know, every vacation we took, we got, we all packed in a, in a, a station, station wagon, wagon <laughs> and we drove 10 hours to Ohio and that was our vacation, you know, or we went to Musquamacan. We drove to Musquamacan, which is a beach in Rhode Island. And that's what we did, you know? So, um, my next visit was to Boston college. Which was and how far away from where you hour, lived? Hour and a half, but it felt like it was a f it was far away <laughs> because it was in Boston, and uh, you know Doug Flutie was there. The program was on the rise. Um, it was there was just a lot. I didn't know much about it, but you know as I got there and I was experiencing it, it was pretty impressive beautiful school and the academic it's an 
it's a really high level academic institution with a high level football program. Right. So wait, when you went there, yeah. Now that in high school you were able to change your mindset to yeah. focus on the academics as well. When you when you went to Boston College, were you really cognitive enough to see to, or to say, let me see your academic program or to notice that it was um it wasn't necessarily that because i was first was i was interested in football, football. but <clears throat> when i decided when i committed there you know i could tell my parents were elated you know <laughs> it really was you know they were really happy about because they were going to be able to see me play every game and um, every game every game and so I committed there, but when when all when you look at all the freshmen that that you you come in with, and three quarters of them are sociology majors, I was like, well, wait a minute, what is a social? What is sociology? <laughs> you know, what am I gonna what am I gonna do with that? You know, it's like. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it big in football, but I'm like, if I'm going to do anything, I would think I would need to be a business major and have some kind of a degree that's worth see, something. See, your, 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 your critical thinking is was already developed even before going into college. You were already thinking ahead of... Yeah, I was. So okay. I was like, so if, you went I, into business, if I yeah. get hurt, you know, so I was a business major and... You know, got a, you know, a degree in business, you know, concentration in marketing. And, um, the, I mean, you know, I didn't know, Hey, you never know if, if the NFL and football, of course it's a dream, yeah, but you never know if that's going to work out. Right. But I'm living proof that if you work hard enough and if you, you know, focus hard enough that, you know, dreams do come true. And no one served this to you. You prepared it yourself. Uh, absolutely. Nobody showed me how. All I did is I just worked harder than everybody. And never, I was drunk. I've been drunk once in my life. And that was my 21st birthday. And other than that, never been drunk. I don't drink. I'm not a big drinker. Never was or I am. I drink. There are. There's a period in my life where I drank a little bit of wine and, right. you know, I collected wine and. But, you know, it just doesn't work for me, yes. and it didn't work for me back then because that little voice that kept asking, "Is this going to keep you from where you want to go?" You know, when I got into the league. It was like, wait a minute, you know, partying. I'm playing in the National Football League for the San Francisco 49ers. Are you kidding? This is like, this is like heaven, you of know, course. for me to, you know, get paid the way I was getting paid to do what I love to do. I was, I was on cloud nine. The first time you were there. Because you actually breathed this into existence. When, when, when you were there finally, was the mindset the same or did you have to 
level up in terms of your mindset? Were you timid? Um, I had the mindset. You? I wanted to start. I wanted to start for the 49ers. So again, period. that was that was like that was like deja vu from when you were in college, yeah. right? Yeah. And you know, the uh they moved me the outside linebacker and there was a guy who was their starter for like the last 10 years, Kena Turner, that had blown out his ACL the year before. Okay. And then there was uh the next guy in line was Todd Shell. And you know, Todd in training camp, you know, hurt his neck real bad. So all of a sudden, you know, here I am now starting for the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, I remember, um, I mean, I had to work my way up through the preseason, but my first preseason game, we're playing the LA Raiders down in the Coliseum. Right. And I get to play the whole second half. And I'm playing against this guy, Ethan Horton, who's a tight end. I'm lining up and we're chippy with one You're another. Rookie. I'm a rookie. This is okay. my first NFL football okay. game. And we're chippy with one another, going back and forth. And you know, he pushes me in the back after a play. Ooh. And you know, I kind of get up and run back to the huddle. And all of a sudden, the next day in the film room, we're watching game film. And that play comes up. And Ronnie Lott, who was our leader on the team, turned on the light. And he said to George Seifert, our defensive coordinator, George, turn off the projector. And... He walked over to me and he said, Romo, if I ever see anybody push you in the back and you don't do something about it, I will personally kick your ass. You know, and he went on to tell the rest of the room that this is a game of respect. And if you're going to let somebody punk you, they'll punk you right out of this league. That was my really my first introduction to the NFL and it was the first reality check and because in college it wasn't like that right no and from that point on never let anybody punk me again ever and in fact if there was anybody you know doing the punking it was me you know what this is this is what I'm trying to wrap my head around Um, I met you a year ago yeah we've been good friends we laugh a lot we, we, I mean, height-wise, we're like Matt and Jeff, you know? But I couldn't picture you inside the arena doing what you do. Yeah. Because, guys, off, 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 stay, off stage, off, off the field, like, you're so lovable. Yeah. But, but you have to realize, to be... A good football player, a defensive football player to play linebacker in the National Football League, you know, I had to take myself to a dark place, you know, and I developed that. That didn't just, it didn't come naturally. There's some, there's guys in the National Football League. Who are really like that off, off, off they, the field. They come out of the womb 
And they, they want to kick somebody's ass. That's not you. That wasn't that wasn't me. You know, I was a mama's boy. You know, and you know, I had to develop that and that nastiness. You know, hey, everybody on some level. You know, just just think about it. The only comparison I can draw is, you know, think about people that got drafted into the army yeah and all of a sudden they yeah. have a weapon in their hand and you know you see these videos of you know world war ii and the yeah. things that went on and these young boys who are now young men all of a sudden have to go into battle and do things that how are you how can you ever prepare yourself for that right you know it's the only thing i can just kind of think about you know to play the game of football at a really at, at that level in the national yeah. football league takes a certain mindset and it it takes an intensity <laughs> and the the defensive football players that are the greatest that have played, you know, have got a mean and nasty side to them, and they have to pose their will every Sunday, you know, to dominate, you know, the opposing player that they're going up against and to do what they do. And it it was a learned behavior. So, like a while ago, Everything that you discovered that you need to do, you did instantly. When, when you were told not to let anybody push you, did it sink in right away? And did you commit to really standing your ground immediately and instantly? Or yeah, did it take pretty time? Much, pretty much. But it did. It, you know, over time, you know, I played in the net. I was playing in the National Football League. I was starting in the National Football League, you know, but I wasn't a gr I was a good football player, but I wasn't great yet. Mm. And I wanted to be great. I wanted to be really good. I never had the goal, you know, to make it to the Pro Bowl. And in my mind, wow. And here's why. In my mind, I was like, the outside linebackers that make it to the Pro Bowl are pass rushers. I was a coverage and run stopping linebacker. So what did I do? I created, you know, I I, I created a scenario yeah. where. I was not gonna make it because that was not my goal and that was not my mindset. Although I had created this mindset that nothing was going to stop me from the time right. I was a, a fresh, yeah. freshman all the way through to get a scholarship right. and to get drafted in the NFL. So fast forward, I signed with the Denver Broncos after my eighth year. I played six seasons uh, so with 49ers, the 49ers, and then Eagles? two with the Eagles, and then, Broncos. and then I signed with the Broncos. And At this was, point, was there notoriety already? It was, people knew who I was for okay. sure, but, you know, 
I up my game. Right. This episode is brought to you by ABBA eServices. I learned at that point, I learned how to train properly. I worked with Olympic track coaches and I made it a goal that I was going to make it to the Pro Bowl. And my first year in Denver, you know, we lost in the first round of the playoffs. And, you know, at the end of the season, you know, the coach, head coach, you know, reads off who made, who made it to the Pro Bowl. And he said, uh, you know, Bill Romanowski, first alternate to the Pro Bowl. But in my mind, I was going to the Pro Bowl. And I don't care if I have to swim to Hawaii. I'll swim there. See, there's that, there's that you know? drive. And that, that offseason came quickly because we lost in the first round of the playoffs. Right. And back then, the Pro Bowl was the week after the Super Bowl. So I had a month. I trained my ass off. And because in my mind, I was going to the Pro Bowl. I was, uh, I was on a cruise. I got a phone call. And Tom Coughlin, who was the head coach, called and said, Bill, you are my need pick for the Pro Bowl. And right then, I was going to the Pro Bowl. Not alternate. Yeah, not alternate. And... You know, it was it was emotional, and here I I get over to the Pro Bowl, and here's all the best players in the NFL. That's like the All Stars for NBA, right? Oh yeah, no, it's the best <laughs> of the best. And uh, you know, and I remember the first day of practice, I'm flying around <laughs> practice. You know, flying around. You know, I'm full speed on every play. I am so damn excited. But I'm like the only one that's full speed. And uh, our coach. So A game during practice. That's oh, what you're doing. Every, I mean, every rep. Yeah. And everybody else is half speed. <laughs> and Coach Coughlin called everybody up. And he said, man, you all got pride. <clears throat> I got pride. There was only one guy out here today that wanted to be here and you guys decide what you who you want to be what you want to do but you're representing the national football league the afc the best of the best and what do you want to do and you know you guys have to decide and uh you know the next day, things picked up a little bit in practice. <laughs> I was still full speed, you know, and we ended up going, we won the game and, you know, but uh, that was my, my first you know role. But then at that point on, every time I took the field, I was a pro bowler. And that was the mindset. Yeah. Now, my, after that, my game, yeah. my game elevated when I was in Denver and it was because of my mind. It was because of the determination. It was because of the way I trained. It was because wow. of my nutrition. It was just what I did. And, um, and I, I became, you know, one of the best linebackers in the National Football League then. How long did you stay with the Broncos? I was there for six years. 
Two Super Bowls. Two Super Bowls. Yeah. Let's talk about fear. Yeah. Was it there? Were you no fear or were you... F- oh, I had fear every day. You know, fear of how failure. Do adri- how do you address you know, fear? Well, you do. Physical and mental. You know, I, I, I addressed it with work ethic. Explain. You know, I just worked harder than anybody else. Like you were prepared. Yeah, I was more prepared than anybody else. I was the most, one of the most prepared out there. Hey, was I my rookie year? No, I was trying to figure it out, you know, and. But you were proactively trying to figure it out. I was trying to figure it out. All I knew is when I got, you know, when I got drafted by the 49ers, Jerry Rice, every time he caught a pass in practice, he took it to the end zone. Every time Roger Craig got a handoff, he took it to, and scored a touchdown. And, you know, it occurred to me that the coaches were always looking at them. And I wanted them to see me. Correct. So what I started doing is I started chasing them to the end zone <laughs> on every play. Marketing management. And... You know, here it is, you know, number 80, Jerry Rice scoring a touchdown and Bill Romanowski, number 53, chasing him from behind, you know, trying to catch him, you know. Oh, so, my God. And I did, that every, I did that every day my whole career. Okay, let's talk about that. I'm going to encompass that thing when you say it. Because remember, sociology, 75% of the freshmen enrolled um, and took sociology were like, wait a minute, if something happens to me in football, what am I going to end up with being a sociologist or whatever that is? Or now psychology. That, yes. So yeah. now that you're here doing, doing football, were you thinking about getting injured? Were you thinking about the negatives? No, how do you, I didn't how think do you address those I things? Didn't, I didn't think about it I just knew it was always a possibility, you know, because, heck, my freshman, you know, when I was a freshman at Boston College, there were guys that got hurt, and they, you know, back, you know, in the late 80s, you know, early 90s, the technology that they had when you blew out your ACL was was not the same as it is right now. It's like a death sentence back. It was like a death sentence back then, right? You know, and all of a sudden, guys would have these big, bulky knee braces on, and you'd watch them try to run, and they couldn't run anymore. So So it was... Hey, it was a possibility, a reality that you never know. How do you, how do you, to, the, to our listeners and viewers, myself included, how do you overcome that fear of possibility? Um, you, you know, you don't think about it. When it comes to playing, you know, the one thing that I, I think I, l- I always loved about football and, you know, and it took a lot of deep thinking to kind of grasp it. It's probably the most present I've ever been in my life. Because your life depended on it. Yeah. (laughs) When I had a helmet and shoulder pads on, I was present. I was there. Because even from if, behind and everything else, if I wasn't present trying to 
you know, strike the guy next to, you know, across from me or make a tackle or cover somebody, you know, I would look bad. Yeah, I had the, you know, I wasn't so God gifted that I could just walk out on that field and it was just easy. It wasn't. It was hard. Every damn day was hard. And it took every ounce of everything I had just to not get embarrassed. Right. And or get hurt. Or get hurt. Yes. So this was like 16 years, 16 seasons you did this. Yes. What made you walk away? Um, my brain. Explain. Um, literally, I had 20 documented concussions. And when I was in Oakland, you know, my okay. second year in Ex Oakland. Wait, hold on. I took, now, my first year in Oakland, we went to the Super Bowl. I took a hit in the Super Bowl that really rocked me. Okay, that's what I wanted to ask before we move, we move, we move forward. For, for people like me. Yeah. Um, can you please explain what it feels like to get hit well, in your league? Well, to get hit or to get a concussion, you know, to me, when you back in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, it's almost like when you hit somebody, if you didn't see stars... It really wasn't that good of a hit. So that was kind of a definition of a good hit is you see stars. Yeah, and you get up a little woozy, you know. And But okay. different concussions okay, that I got, you know, I'd hit somebody and I'd be like, oh, shit. Yeah. I can't get up. Or I'd get up and I'd be wobbly. And this is you hitting somebody, huh? Yeah. This is not you getting hit. No, this is Ooh. me hitting somebody. Like yeah, most of the time it was me hitting yeah. somebody. And, um, you know, I remember getting a concussion when I was in Philadelphia. And I got him when I was in San Francisco. Right. But I, I was, but you were a, younger I was in a game and, and I walked wobbly off the field. It was right right before halftime and I got to the barely got to the sideline and the trainer had an ice bag and he stuck an ice bag on my head. So 20 of those, huh? Documented. Yeah. I, yeah. But when I got to, when I got to Denver. Oakland, oh, Oakland, okay. It started getting worse. And when I would have a big hit, I would get, I'd get a concussion and I would hide it because oh. here I am 36 years of age, you know, and then my last year in Oakland, I was 37. And when things like that happen to you, they'll start looking for a replacement. A replacement. Yeah. And if you're not at the top of your game, so I had to, I hit it. You know, I hit it from trainers. And and what started happening is I remember leaving the facility one day, and it was after a really tough practice. And 
the house where the house where I lived was 15 minutes away. It was a straight shot. I didn't know where I lived. Wow. And I drove around. Wow. And I just drove around. I drove it was it was 10 minute drive something like that. I drove around for like a half hour 40 minutes just thinking maybe and it came to me. But I had to drive around. And that was scary. I had a TIA. And if you know what a TIA is yeah. or Tragic the ischemic attack. You know what yeah. happens is you know my brain in my eyes did a short circuit yeah, yeah. and all of a sudden everything went black for like a second a second and a half and that happened to me at you know, 37 you know at 37 i was you got a, I, you didn't, had, I didn't know what that was you had a mini stroke at 37 i didn't know what that yeah. was but i knew this i was scared to tell anybody about it damn you know and and here's you know the last game i played in was we're playing the broncos on monday night football and it was the third game of the year in my 16th season wait this this was after the tia yeah you still went i still oh, played shoot. yeah i still played and i hit it was the first quarter of the game we're playing monday night football i hit clinton portis over the middle and uh and it hurt me bad and i was like on all fours and and the stadium is circling in my head you know i had trouble getting to the sideline but i got to the sideline but you have to realize the sideline represented failure to me yes i did not want to be on the sideline I don't care how bad I was hurt. I wanted back out on that field. And I ran back out there. But when I ran back out on the field, the lights were still spinning in the stadium. And I played that game squinting. I lined up, and because if I squinted, you know, I didn't yeah, see yeah, the these lights, lights, lights spinning. Yeah. So I squinted like this and I tried to play the game squinting. And, you know, when that game finally ended and I played like crap. Your, tra your trainer knew what was going on. I played like crap. And I played scared for the first, first time, time in my life. And I, as the seconds clicked off in that game and we got beat, and I knew that I'd played my last football game because I couldn't do it anymore. My brain gave out on me. And I willed myself game in, in games that I shouldn't have been playing in. And... I couldn't will myself anymore. Couldn't do it anymore. And, but I knew this, Paco. 
is I gave it everything, everything. I had. Yeah. There was, there's nobody in the National Football League, I guarantee it, you know, and you can, you can go back to all the greats. There's nobody that worked as hard as I did. And nobody that worked not just in the weight room, not on a, just on a track, not in their nutrition, not in their, just their recovery. It was every aspect of being the best that this body could, could, could be. Yeah. I did it. And, you know, and um, it was the greatest ride you could, you could ever imagine. You know, dream for, you know, a young boy to yeah. be able to do what you love. Yes. You know, play a game, you know, and get paid a lot of money for it. And uh, I got to do that. And I was very blessed. When, when, when you knew it was over after that last game, was it an instant decision to actually say it's over? Or did you struggle with yourself? And what was the voice in your head telling you? Um, well, I didn't play anymore that season, but at the end of the season, I was like starting to get that itch. And here's what would happen. I would go into the weight room after the, that season and I would try to lift weights and the symptoms of a concussion came back. Oh. I would get dizzy. I'd get lightheaded. You know, I would, I would get off balance. And I knew, I, I knew when I would try to do that, that what are you thinking about? You know, and so I, I knew then that, okay, I, I just can't do this anymore. This, my brain can't take it anymore. My body still had some, had some more play in it, but my head didn't. And when it was time to go, did ego and pride set in or were you okay with your, were you good with yourself? You know what? I, I think I was good because there was no, there was no, shoulda, woulda, wish I could have done, worked more harder here, or wish I would have done this, you know? Because you gave 100% I left more. it. Yeah. I left it out there. And, you know, when you leave it out there, I think you can walk away knowing, you know what? I gave it everything I had. Everything this body was capable of, I gave it to the NFL. And I competed as hard as I can compete. I, I, hey, I, I did, you know, I had a handful of plays that I wish I could take back that I'm not proud of. But other than that, it was the greatest ride you could ever have. To all these kids, parents of kids, and people who are second-guessing themselves, what can you advise them? Well, all I, 
I know is when it comes to football. But then again, your football translated into real life after football. Yeah, it did. And but, you're still successful. You know, like a lot, lot of people, lot of people will say, you know, would you, you know, what, what would you advise, you know, young boys? You know, my son, do you think he should play football? You know, and, and I always would say this because I had a son that played football. So the thing about football is it's hard. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to be sore. You're going to be tired. You're going to be scared. But guess what? Tell me those aren't some lessons, you know, in life that Amen. you're going to have to deal with. And, and I will say this, you know, I coached freshman football in Piedmont. And, you know, we had, we had a, a head football coach that was there for years. And you know what he taught me? You know, and here I am coming out of the NFL. And... It just goes to show that there's just always, you know, there's always more to learn. Amen. And this guy, and I remember him talking to the, the, young, the young boys one day. And he said, men, realize this. As football players for Piedmont, you're going to walk around the school and people are going to look at you differently because they know football's hard. Yep. You're going to get hurt. You can get hurt. You will get hurt at times. You're going to be sore, but you're willing to do that. Something that they're not willing to do. <clears throat> and because of that, they're going to look up to you. So just realize that and understand that whether you like it or not, you're a leader in this school because of what you're willing to put your body through. And uh, that always stood out to me. So whenever any parent would ask about, would you recommend my son play football or not? Because I'm scared that he's going to get a concussion or he's going to get hurt. But life is going to knock the crap out of you sometimes. And what are you going to It's not about getting knocked down. It's what you do when you get back up. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bill Romanowski. And that's a wrap.